Hey there, Somerset Patriots fans. Mark Schwartz here. Just a quick disclaimer about this week's episode. It was recorded on Wednesday, August 5th, right before the announcement that Brandon Liebrandt's contract was purchased by the Miami Marlins from the Somerset Patriots. Of course, Liebrandt was pitching with the New Jersey Blasters, but the Patriots being the parent organization of both teams, the Miami Marlins purchased his contract from the Somerset Patriots. Obviously, this is huge news. A massive congratulations goes out to Brandon. Well-deserved. He was dominant in his three starts with the New Jersey Blasters. 1-0, a 0.75 ERA and 15 strikeouts. ERA and strikeouts leading the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. This has massive implications for the New Jersey Blasters, who now have to find their Saturday night starting pitcher. Will it be Ryan Williamson? Will it be Alex Vargas? Could it be a name that's not on the roster right now? We're going to have to find out. I don't think we have that answer just yet. Uh, So what you hear in this upcoming episode will still have the impression that Brandon Liebrandt is currently on the Blasters roster and will continue to be on the Blasters roster. Of course, that is no longer the case. But when you hear the power rankings in the second segment, uh, when you hear the recap from the first segment, um, it was all recorded before Liebrandt's contract was purchased by the Miami Marlins. Uh, but again, from everyone with the Somerset Patriots, a massive congratulations goes out to Brandon. Well-deserved. He's going directly to the Miami Marlins 60-person player pool, uh, which means that he might have an opportunity to get back to the major leagues this year. Uh, he deserves this opportunity. He put up great numbers at AAA a couple of years ago. He was recovering from Tommy John surgery. He proved that he was healthy. He proved that he was dominant this year. And now he's going to have an opportunity to prove himself in the Marlins organization organization and with everything going on with the Marlins maybe there's going to be an opportunity for Lee Brand to get up to the big leagues we'll talk more about this on the broadcasts of the games this weekend but I wanted to make sure we got this disclaimer out uh, before the episode began all right that's all I got for now enjoy the rest of this week's episode of the something Patriots podcast the something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up and 27 down for Teasley. The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions. Patriots win another Atlantic League title. Warning track ball! On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast, where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. My name is Mark Schwartz, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a big show today with a full recap 
on this past weekend's New Jersey Blasters sweep of the Somerset Patriots, a look ahead to the massively important upcoming weekend, uh, updated power rankings for both the Sparky Lyle Award and the Willie Randolph Award, and later I sit down with the current RBI leader of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, it's New Jersey Blasters infielder slash outfielder Louis Martini. Today's episode is airing live at 6 p.m. on The Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com, and is also available on SomersetPatriots.com, as well as podcast streaming platforms including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Before we start off, I I do want to take a quick second to wish everyone well uh, after Tropical Storm Isaias rolled through New Jersey. Uh, that coming on Tuesday of this week. Uh, I lost power at my place. I'm sure many of you lost power as well. So I hope everyone is hanging in there uh, because, of course, the year 2020 had to become even just a bit more crazy. All right, let's get into the news. What's going on, fans? We're back. So to start off, I do want to touch briefly on the Atlantic League news that came out after the recording of last week's pod. Uh, The league issued a press release last Thursday in which it basically said that it is, quote, accepting applications for new members to its roster of professional baseball organizations, end quote. Uh, It later stated that it may accept anywhere from two to four new markets and that the first such market had already been announced, which was the Gastonia, North Carolina announcement. Uh, That came, I believe, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. Uh, But a couple of things on this. Uh, Number one, this announcement likely comes as no surprise, really, to anyone who's followed the league. As we discussed last week, Gastonia had been in the works for quite some time. Um, So that announcement that came last week was certainly expected. Uh, Two, the league has been looking for new opportunities to expand for quite some time now. Uh, So it makes sense to try to utilize the likely upcoming retraction of minor league baseball as a means to get a couple of new markets into the league. I would imagine those conversations have probably already been happening. They're probably well underway, but it's not going to be as easy as some might think for these teams that are currently major league affiliates to just up and become an independent team. Uh, For starters, uh, you're going to have to start paying players. You're going to have to start paying for staff. Coaching staff, that being, uh, in you know, normally for a major league organization affiliate, uh, you don't have to pay for players, you don't have to pay for staff. So that's going to be certainly an added addition. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things that I don't even know about about what goes into being a major league affiliate uh, that teams that are not major league affiliates that are independent uh, will have to cover. So cost st- for starters is going to be a big component of that. A lot of these major league affiliates, they rely on some of these attendance spikes that come with uh, rehab players coming to play for them. Uh, That's not going to be the case anymore. And some of them are already struggling with local support and local attendance to begin with. Uh, So it certainly might not help matters if they go from being a major league affiliate to being independent and fans really having to learn about the product all over again uh, for the first time. There's going to be a franchise fee to enter the Atlantic League that these teams would have to pay. So if they're already strapped financially after everything that's happened with COVID-19, are some of them going to have the fiscal means to purchase a franchise fee to enter this league? We'll, we'll have to find out about that. And some of them still need to upgrade their facilities as well. I mean, the Atlantic League isn't just going to take any team that's interested. It's a high caliber of baseball in this league, a high caliber of ballparks as well. Uh, So the facilities need to meet the standards of the league. And some of these minor league organizations 
that are being retracted for Major League Baseball, uh, they're being retracted for a reason. Some of their facilities aren't up to snuff. Uh, So that certainly doesn't guarantee that they're going to be able to reach the standards that they need to to play even in the Atlantic League. So so we'll see on that front. Um, From what I've heard, uh, the league would like the ability to get up to about 12 teams, but we'll see if that actually happens. I don't doubt that there's going to be interest in teams coming to the league, uh, but it might be difficult to find three additional markets after Gastonia. So counting Gastonia um, is four, but after Gastonia, three additional markets that would be able to check all of the boxes for the league and be ready to go in time for the 2021 season. And include in that, that there's also a pretty good chance that the league will not retain all of its current seven franchises. And all of that mixed together, you get the prospects of a completely new landscape in the Atlantic League next year. So we'll have to we'll have to see what happens on that front. But anywho, let's get back into the baseball that is actually currently being played at TD Bank Ballpark. This past weekend, which was week three of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, saw our first weekend sweep that we've had to this point, and it was in favor of the New Jersey Blasters. They won Friday night's game 3-2 to two over the Patriots, and they won Saturday night's ball game 3-1. to one. So right now... The New Jersey Blasters are up in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series standing four games to two. And that's a pretty commanding lead when you think that this is only now a 13-game series. So the team that gets to seven wins first, for all intents and purposes, wins the series. And now the Blasters are just three wins away from that with three more weekends remaining. So certainly uh, the Blasters looking very strong. In Friday night's ballgame, David Kubiak was back on the mound for the Somerset Patriots, and we've talked a lot about Kubiak and everything that's happened to him so far in this series. Uh, but he was vintage Kubiak for the first three innings of that Friday night ball game. He did not allow a base runner over those first three innings, and he struck out five of the first nine that he faced the first time through the Blasters' order. In the meantime, the Patriots also gave Kubiak a lead. They put a run on the board in the bottom of the second, a run on the board in the bottom of the third. They were leading two to nothing going into the top of the fourth, and it seemed as though maybe the tide was turning, that this was going to be the night that Kubiak turned his series around, that this was going to be the night that the Patriots really turned their series around, Uh, but that wouldn't take place because the Blasters put three runs on the board in the top of the fourth inning off of David Kubiak. Liam MacArthur led off the inning with a single. A couple of batters later, Martin Figueroa drew a walk, and once again, it was Louis Martini, the series leader in runs batted in. A two-run double into the right center field gap. That tied the ball game at two. A couple of pitches later with Martini off of second base. Kubiak would throw a wild pitch that got away from Patriots catcher Matt O'Neill, And it got so far away that Martini not only advanced from second to third, but he turned third and he came all the way around to score. That gave the Blasters a 3-2 lead. And that was all the offense that they would need on Friday night because once again, they got strong pitching. Vin Mazzaro went five innings of work for the New Jersey Blasters. He earned the win. He was the first starting pitcher in this series to earn a win, striking out five and allowing just two runs, one earned over those five innings. And the Patriots lineup was shut down pretty much after the Blasters took the lead. There were a couple of new additions to the Patriots last week, and we'll get into those. Uh, Shane Fontana and Connor Justice And both of them performed well. Justice had a double in his first at-bat. Shane Fontana went two for three, including an RBI single in the third inning of that Friday night ballgame. He stole two bases Friday night as well. But even so, 
The Patriots were not able to scratch together a run after they fell behind, uh, and that was highlighted by Sean Kaselica in the bottom of the sixth inning. He was on the mound for the Blasters with New Jersey leading 3-2. to two. He allowed a leadoff single to Shane Fontana, he, uh, who then stole second base. Dan Valerio drew a walk, so the Patriots had runners at first and second with nobody out. It was Joey Rose at the plate who already has a home run in this series. Rose was asked to drop a bunt down. He popped the bunt up in the air, and Caselica made a diving catch off the mound. He doubled off Fontana from second base, and that helped get the Blasters through the inning, and it bridged the gap to Ryan Williamson, who we've talked a lot about on this pod so far. Williamson came on for his first save opportunity uh, in the bottom of the seventh inning that night. Uh, he was able to get a scoreless bottom of the seventh, earn his first save, and the Blasters won that ball game 3-2 to two to give them a three-games-to-two series lead over the Patriots. And that would extend the very next night on Saturday for two reasons. One, a big first inning for the Blasters, but the main reason was a tremendous pitching performance from Brandon Liebrand. Uh, on that Saturday night game, it was Mark Leiter Jr. on the mound for the Patriots, who was the first pitcher to work five innings in Week 2. He was on the mound uh, for Saturday night of week three, but he gave up two runs in the top of the first inning. Liam MacArthur led off the inning with a double. A couple of batters later, Martin Figueroa drew a walk. A couple of batters after that, it was Derek Romberg, a two-out, two-run double uh, into the left center field gap. That put the Blasters ahead two to nothing. And again, that wound up being all the offense that New Jersey needed because Brandon Liebrandt was so strong. Liebrandt on the mound for New Jersey, Five shutout innings allowed just two hits, just one walk, and he struck seven batters out. And it was a tremendous pitching performance, in my opinion, the best starting pitching performance we've seen in the series to this point. Uh, and after that, the Patriots did scratch together a run in the bottom of the sixth inning once Lebrand exited. They got a sacrifice fly from Justin Pacioli off of Alex Vargas, but it was Vin Aiello in the bottom of the seventh inning who would close the door. And the Blasters, again, on the backs of really strong pitching. They've been able to shut down this Patriots lineup pretty much throughout the course of this entire series, and they were able to do it again this past weekend. Somerset has not scored more than two runs in any of their games so far. And in fact, last Saturday was the first time they scored less than two runs. They only scored one. They were limited to one run on two hits in Saturday night's game. So that... Strong pitching from the Blasters, uh, the inability to get those big hits from the Patriots lineup, and really the Blasters' ability to find one big inning and capitalize and allow that to really carry them through the rest of the game. That's one of the main reasons why the Blasters now find themselves up in this series four games to two. I mean, look back at their four wins. You could really see in each of those wins that it wasn't a huge offensive evening for the Blasters, maybe with the lone exception of opening night back on July 17th. Aside from that, but even on that night, uh, the Blasters put three runs on the board in the top of the third inning, and that carried them uh, pretty much for the entire evening. There's always been one big inning for the Blasters in each of their wins. That combined with their really strong pitching staff, uh, it's not a huge surprise that the New Jersey Blasters after week three of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, now find themselves ahead four games to two. You no longer have to choose between an amazing network and an amazing price. When you switch to T-Mobile, you get both. 
Visit a T-Mobile store or tmobile.com to find out more. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Let's go over the storylines for week four of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. We'll start off with the Somerset Patriots. Of course, the biggest storyline of them all is that the Patriots are currently trailing the New Jersey Blasters four games to two in this now 13-game series. There has been a 13th game added. It's going to be on Thursday, August 20th, uh, preceding the final two games that were originally expected to be played on Friday, August 21st, and Saturday, August 22nd. Uh, So a 13-game schedule means that the first team that wins seven games basically wins the series. The Patriots are now down four games to two in this 13-game set. So this upcoming weekend is of massive importance to the Patriots. They cannot afford to get swept. If they get swept, then for all intents and purposes, this series might be over. Uh, If they don't get swept and they win at least one game, they stay alive. A sweep for Somerset that would even this thing up at four games apiece uh, would obviously be uh, massively important. So that's the top overall storyline. But in regards to the specific players on the team, again, it starts Friday night with David Kubiak. Can Kubiak string together a solid start from beginning to end? He's found trouble and allowed a big inning in each of his first three starts. It was the third inning in his first and second start, and it was the fourth inning last weekend. Can he get through that one big inning, and can he be dominant? The same dominance that we saw in the first three innings of Friday night's game where he did not allow a base runner and struck out five of the first nine batters that he faced. Can we see that stretched out over the course of an entire game? If we can, it completely changes the projection uh, for Somerset on a Friday evening. And along those lines, can the Patriots limit the big inning? I mentioned it in the opening segment of this podcast, but it's been one big inning for the Blasters in each of the games that they have won so far this series. Can you stop those big rallies? Can you limit the bleeding? 
and try to keep in these games as long as possible. Uh, the offense has been a struggle for the Patriots, so giving up these big cluster innings uh, does not put them in a position to be successful. Uh, they're not a team that's currently built to try to win a high-scoring ball game. Along those lines, let's look to the Patriots lineup and see where some of those storylines come in. Uh, first, want to talk a little bit about the new guys on the Somerset Patriots, both Shane Fontana and Connor Justice. Both of those guys should be coming in uh, to provide a good amount more production for this Patriots lineup, and it worked out this past weekend. Shane Fontana in his first game. He went two for three, had an RBI single, stole a couple of bases. In his second game, he went 0 for two, but he did draw a walk. Uh, for Connor Justice, he went one for three in each of his first two games, and and Justice wound up having a couple of doubles. Uh, both of his hits were doubles. So these are two guys that lengthen out the Somerset Patriots lineup a little bit further. That, of course, is very important, considering this lineup hasn't produced uh, too much to speak of. Uh, but the biggest production guys that really need to step up, looking at some of the guys Guys in the top portion of the Somerset Patriots lineup. Scott Kelly, Carlos Garcia, uh, Dan Valerio, Justin Pacioli. Those four guys who uh, normally in some sort of combination uh, have been hitting one through four, or I know Valerio uh, hit fifth last Saturday night, uh, but those guys have been pretty much at the top of the order for the Patriots in every game so far. Uh, but those four last weekend, so Kelly, Garcia, Valerio, and Pacioli, they combined to go 0 for 17 from the plate. They did draw three walks. They had one hit by pitch, a sack fly. They did score three runs. Uh, all three runs on the weekend for the Patriots were scored by those four guys, which I think only emphasizes their importance on this team. So for those four to go 0 for 17 on a weekend, uh, and especially at the top of the Patriots order, it's just not setting up those run scoring opportunities uh, later in innings for the back end of the lineup as well. So those guys certainly need to step up. The Patriots, I mean, flat, plain and simple, need to start stringing together hits. Uh, they're not a team that's going to put a lot of extra base hits on the board. Uh, so you need to string together those rallies uh, to find ways to score runs. In regards to extra base hits, the Patriots only had two extra base hits last weekend, uh, and both of them were from the same guy. Connor Justice had a double Friday night. He had a double Saturday night. Uh, that was it. The Patriots overall on the weekend had just five hits. And the final storyline that I have for the Somerset Patriots, it's got to be the defense. Uh, the defense has just not performed well so far in this series. They have 15 errors over their first six games. 15 errors. That is little less than three errors a game uh, that this Patriots team is averaging, uh, which is just not good enough. On Friday night, the Patriots had three errors as a team. On Saturday night, five errors for the Somerset Patriots. Now, granted, uh, of the three runs that they gave up on Saturday night's game, despite those five errors, only one run was unearned. But you're not going to win ball games when you're recording five errors. I mean, across the board, uh, the Patriots really need to pick up defensively uh, and play a much cleaner game, considering, and it, it all comes full circle, they're giving up big innings, and they're not stringing together their own big innings at the plate. So to compound that even further to play poor defense uh, certainly doesn't put Somerset in a position to win many ball games. Now, from a Blasters perspective, uh, a couple of quick notes. One, it looks like Liam MacArthur is now the leadoff man for the New Jersey Blasters. He, he batted leadoff in each of the two games this past weekend, went two for seven combined from the plate and two runs scored. 
Uh, but batting second in the order for the Blasters in each game on Saturday was Zach Rakusen, and he all of a sudden needs to step up his production a bit. He went 0 for 7 last weekend between the two games and is now 0 for his last 18 from the plate in his last five games. This is a guy coming into this series that was one of the more well-known names, especially to Somerset Patriots fans, because he played with the team in 2017, and he got off to a really hot start on opening night. He went 3 for 3 from the plate. He reached base four times. He scored three runs. He had a really strong sort of spring training, I guess you could say, before this series really got underway. So there were high expectations for Rakusen coming in, but uh, he has really struggled from the plate as of late. Uh, and then after that, can the middle of the order, guys like Louis Martini and Martin Figueroa uh, continue to produce at the level that they have? I mean, that's been the most successful middle of the order combination in the series so far, uh, even though last weekend... Figueroa did go 0 for 4 from the plate, but he did draw three walks. Martini went 1 for 6 from the plate, uh, but his one hit was a big one. It was the two-run double on Friday night's game uh, that at the time tied up that ball game at 2. And Martini, of course, the league leader in runs batted in with 5. So can those guys continue to produce in the middle of the order? Uh, From a pitching perspective, the the only huge storyline is can they keep doing what they've been doing? I mean, from a starting pitching performance, uh, the Blasters have gotten pretty much all they could ask for. Uh, Vin Mazzaro and Brandon Liebrandt last weekend, they combined to pitch 10 innings, uh, allowed two runs, only one earned on four hits, two combined walks, 12 combined strikeouts, both starting pitchers earning a win after each of them went five innings of work in seven-inning ballgames. That's pretty much all you could ask for. And then for manager John Hunted to know that he's got Ryan Williamson in his back pocket whenever he needs to get a big out, whether it be in the sixth inning or whether it be in a save opportunity, uh, you know that is a very formidable pitching staff that these Patriots players have to go up against. Uh, and then the last one for the Blasters, can they stay hungry? This is a team that has been playing with a chip on their shoulder, sort of an underdog mentality over the first six games of the series. Uh, they're the road team in each game of the series, and you know they're playing in Somerset's ballpark, and you know the Somerset Patriots have the big name. The New Jersey Blasters are a startup organization. Uh, so can they continue to play hungry now that they lead the series four games to two? Uh, we'll see about that. I mean, it's certainly possible you'd like to imagine so because all of these guys on both teams are, are playing with certainly a lot to prove, but you want to make sure that the Blasters don't get complacent. I mean, here we are now after three weeks. Uh, they've been the better team. They lead the series by two games. And, you know, every time we open up TD Bank Ballpark, there's more and more people that are coming in with Blasters hats on, with Blasters t-shirts or Blasters uniforms. So you want to make sure that, you know, everyone that's on New Jersey stays hungry uh, while they're out on the field uh, because they still have a lot to play for. So, Those are the storylines that I have going into week four. Uh, Quickly, the updated power rankings for week four or going into week four, I should say. There is some movement. We'll start off with the Sparky Alisle Award that goes to the league's best pitcher. I still, well, we'll start at six and then we'll work our way down to one. At number six, I have James Puglisi falls one spot from last week's rankings. He did not pitch last weekend, uh, so his numbers remain the same. Billy Lane Jr. for me jumps up to five, so he improves one spot. Another scoreless relief appearance for Billy Lane Jr. Two scoreless innings allowed one hit, struck out two batters. He has not allowed an earned run over five and a third innings across three relief appearances. Uh, He has struck out eight batters over that stretch as well. So he comes in at number five for me. At number four, 
Dropping two spots is Mark Leiter Jr. Uh, he only allowed two runs in his start on Saturday night. Uh, still a 1.93 ERA. Uh, him falling a couple of spots is mainly due to a couple of other pitchers improving their standings. Uh, Leiter Jr. still has 14 strikeouts, over 14 innings of work, uh, but he does have a loss. He's 0-1, uh, so he drops a couple of spots in the standings. Vin Mazzaro comes in at number three. He's staying even with where he was in the rankings last week. He did earn a win uh, this past weekend. Five innings of work allowed two runs, one earned. Uh, now Mazzaro 1-0 with a 2.25 ERA and 14 strikeouts over 12 innings. He comes in at number three. At number two, I have Brandon Liebrand, who drums two spots. He was at number four last week uh, after a real dominant start last Saturday. Five shutout innings, two hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Liebrandt is now 1-0 with a 0.75 ERA, 15 strikeouts over 12 innings. He has walked five batters, which is a slight blemish, but Liebrandt has been very, very impressive. And it was real close between numbers two and one. I kept Ryan Williamson at number one in my Sparky Lyle power rankings. Uh, reason being, he only made one appearance this past weekend, but he did record a save. So Williamson remains the league leader in wins with two. Uh, he's tied for the league lead in saves with one and 12 strikeouts over just five innings of work. He's only allowed one hit. He's only He is not allowed a walk. So uh, in my estimation, he has done enough to stay at number one. But Brandon Liebrandt, hot on his tail, really a one and one A uh, for the Sparky Lyle Award after the first three weeks. In regards to the Willie Randolph Award for the best position player in the circuit, I have Dan Valerio staying at number six for the time being. Uh, there's not a lot of offense that has taken place so far in this series, but I've got Valerio at number six. Uh, he did not do much this past weekend, still a 300 batting average. Uh, two runs batted in, two stolen bases really help keep him at number six. At number five, I've got Scott Kelly dropping down one spot. His batting average has dipped to 200. However, he also leads the league in stolen bases with four. Uh, he remains the leadoff guy for the Patriots, and really as he goes, so does the Patriots lineup. So Kelly comes in at number five. He drops one spot. Joey Rose comes in at number four. He also drops one spot in the Willie Randolph rankings. A 200 batting average for Rose, but uh, he remains in that top four positioning because he's the only player in the league so far to hit a home run. He does have three RBIs, which ranks second in the league. A couple of walks, a stolen base. Uh, so Rose has remained productive, even though he had a big bunt double play on Friday night's game uh, that helped lead to a Blasters win. At number three, I've got Derek Romberg jumping up a couple of spots. His big hit from this past weekend was the two-out, two-run double on Saturday night, uh, which wound up providing the only offense that the Blasters really needed in a game that they won 3-1. to one. Overall, Romberg has a 286 batting average. Uh, that's second best in the series for qualified batters. Uh, he's got two runs batted in, three walks, a 412 on on-base percentage. He comes in at number three, up two spots from last week. At number two, I've got Louis Martini, uh, a 265 batting average. So the average a little bit lower. That's one of the reasons why he stays at number two. But five runs batted in. It's the most in the league. Uh, he has three extra base hits as well. That's the most of anybody in the series. So Martini comes in at number two. And at number one, I still have Martin Figueroa. He leads the league with a 313 batting average. Uh, six walks drawn for Figueroa. A stolen base, he's got five hits, uh, has been very productive overall, a couple of doubles as well, and in my estimation, remains the most dangerous batter when he's at the plate of anyone in this series. 
So I've got Figueroa coming in at number one. Uh, the big takeaway here for both the top pitcher award and the top batter award, the top three players in each power rankings. Again, this is just my own estimation, but the top three in each rankings uh, are blasters. From a position player standpoint, Figueroa, Martini, and Romberg, all blasters. From a pitching perspective, Williamson, Liebrand, and Mazzaro, again, all blasters as well, uh, which is another outline that over the first three weeks of this series, it has pretty much been all New Jersey blasters. So when we come back, I will sit down with one of those blasters, Louis Martini, to have a conversation about how the series has gone for him and talk a little bit about his background. Whatever this season brings, you'll be there for the Patriots, and TD Bank will be there for you. Bank 24-7, online, or on the TD app. Or talk to a human by phone anytime. TD Bank, unexpectedly human. Visit tdbank.com. TD Bank, America's most convenient bank. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and I have the pleasure now of being joined alongside in-person star New Jersey Blasters infielder slash outfielder, because you've played a couple of different positions so far, uh, Louis Martini. How's it going, Louis? Mark, how's it going, man? I don't know I don't know about star, but uh, <laughs> you're right about infielder, outfielder, That's that's for sure. Well, look, the whole point of this is for me to talk you up and try to make you seem as good as possible. Sure. So that, that's my job, at least. Sounds good. <laughs> let's run with it. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the series so far. And, you know, the reason why I say star, you know, especially over the last couple of games, you've been hitting closer towards the middle of the order for the Blasters, uh, and you currently lead the entire Somerset Professional Baseball Series and runs batted in with five, uh, a two sixty three batting average to go along with that, also leading the the league in extra base hits, you've got two doubles, you have a triple, you're the only player to have a triple so far, uh, 391 on base percentage. Um, so all of that being said, how's it going, man? How does it feel to be back out there on the field? Oh, man, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, you know, just like pretty much everybody else, spent a couple months cooped up, you know, without baseball, without pretty much what what's our, our uh, lifeline here, um, being able to come out. Even under these circumstances, shorter ball games, less games, obviously. But I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't want to be anywhere else, you know. So, what was the process like for you to get started here? Everyone sort of has a different path, and we'll get into your background and some of your previous professional baseball experience. But I guess once the pandemic hit, 
And we realized that, you know, baseball, or at least baseball as we've come to know it, wasn't going to necessarily be the same this year. Uh, what were the sort of the steps that you had to take to get to this point where I get you, you got introduced to John Hunton and then, you know, now that you're, now you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I guess it helps. I'm, I'm a local guy, like most of the guys that are, that are part of the series are. Um, I mean, I grew up coming to the stadium and, and, and coming to these games. So uh, about 30 minutes away, which is, which is a good start, you know? <laughs> um, but man, I, I bounced around a little bit before, everything here got going I guess it was it was late June early July they started workouts during the week um at least that's you know that's kind of to my understanding um but I, I spent a little bit of time out of state just searching for some other opportunities um that ended up falling through and obviously you know the American Association is the only independent um league that that has something legitimate going this year in terms of a, a you know 60 games a little bit more normal um you know, so so once some of the things that I was kind of pursuing fell through, ended up coming back to the East Coast, back home, and um, you know, like we kind of talked about a little bit before, Scott Kelly's one of my good friends, known him for, geez, like five six years, um, and a good guy to know, because uh, he's been around for for quite a long time, and um, I ended up giving him a shout, just to kind of see what was going on, um, and he said, yeah, man, come out, come out to a workout. Came out, it was like a random Wednesday, you know, early July. And, uh, you know, he, he helped make some of the introductions for me to, to John and, and obviously to Brett and, and some of the other guys involved here. And, um, yeah, they gave me a shot. So I'm running with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned that you, you came to some Somerset Patriots games as a kid as well. So you yeah. have good memories in this ballpark? Yeah, I mean, I used, to, I used to sit there and see myself playing. You know, I'd be 10, 11, 12 years old, whatever it was, and – I'd be like, yeah, I think I could play here. You know what I mean? And and it's taken me uh, a little bit longer than I would have imagined. Um, you know, I've been or, I've been around for a few years now in pro baseball. Um, but yeah, this this it doesn't get much better than than this place here, at least in in this area. So let, let's talk about your professional baseball experience prior to the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. Uh, a lot of time over in the Pecos League. Initially broke in in 2015. I guess preceding that, you played your college ball here in the Garden State over at Montclair State University. Um, so what was that process like uh, when you graduated from Montclair and you know the the process of finding professional baseball had to begin for you. And then, and then you land in the Pecos league, which is pretty much on the other side of the country. What was that like for you? Yeah, um, <laughs> man, it's, uh, I've had a pretty unique, uh, experience in pro baseball. And like you said, uh, I played four years at Montclair state, um, got in there in 2010, graduated in 2014. Um, and I think the best way to kind of describe my career there, I was about as average, a ball player as as you as you'd see um I didn't really put up big numbers tool wise nothing really special um you know I I didn't really develop the way I had hoped um in those four years but um I always knew that I wanted to keep playing um that, that was something important to me and kind of in the back of my mind um throughout throughout those couple of years there even though I wasn't performing up to what I would consider my standards um, there was always something kind of burning in me because because I just felt like I could get a little bit more out of what was in there. Um, so whew, I, I guess I got to make a long story short here because, you know, <laughs> no, dude, make a long story long. That's the I'll, whole point of a I'll podcast. Make a, all right, I'll make a long story long. I'll kind of let you in on the journey <laughs> a little bit. Um, so, yeah, tw- 2014, I graduated from Montclair um, 
and there was really no no real prospect of me playing anywhere beyond that. Um, like I said, wasn't really scouted all that much. Didn't didn't really have all that much exposure. Didn't really put myself out there, um, which you know looking back is something that I knew or now I know is super important, really working for yourself and mm. making personal connections, not really so much relying on other people, which is, you know, what I was under the impression, hoping that a coach or, or you know, a head coach in college, a summer coach, somebody would be able to, you know, put me on the right path. And um, normally I would say unfortunately, but in this situation I'll say fortunately because I, I'm, you know, very proud of the way things have kind of rolled out for me. Um, you know, that didn't happen. Um, so after graduating, I ended up, uh, getting a job, um, local hospital, hundred medical center. It's like oh, 10 minutes okay. from my house. I was working in nutrition services. Uh, I was there for about six months. Um, and the whole time, I mean, I knew I wanted to keep playing. Didn't know how I was going to get, were you working out during this? You were staying sharp. I was, yeah, I was, I was still, you know, hitting the gym training, um, hitting every once in a while. It wasn't, it wasn't at the top of the priority list. You know, I was trying to make a little bit of money and, you know, stabilize myself there. Um, but yeah, after, after, after a number of months, I think it was probably, um, December or January of, uh, 15, my, my dad had been scrolling through the internet and, and he sent me a link, um, for the Pecos spring league, which is held in Houston, Texas every, every, uh, March, I think it is. Um, and yeah, so, so we kind of talked about that and said, well, this, this might be an opportunity to, get out. I knew nothing about it. You know, mm. knew nothing about the Pecos league, nothing about the spring league, really nothing about independent baseball. Um, in general. I mean, I knew if you don't get drafted, it makes the process a lot more difficult. I mean, like most guys wanted to play in the big leagues from the time I was a little boy yeah. and, and that hasn't changed, you know? So, um, but at that point I was willing to, to, to try whatever I had to do to, to break in somehow. So ended up, uh, getting on a plane to Houston, Texas, March of, uh, 2015, got out there. I spent about three weeks in Houston. Um, and this is kind of like the, um, kind of like a, a, an extended showcase or like, um, you know, precursor to the actual Pecos league. So, so this isn't even the real Pecos league, mm. which that's a whole nother animal, you know, that we'll get to at some <laughs> well, point. We here. Will. Um, <laughs> so I get down there, I'm staying in a motel six for three weeks, crammed in a small room with four guys, um, and we just played baseball for about three, three and a half weeks. Um, and it had been the first games that I was playing in about a year. So wow. hadn't been on a field and, and hadn't seen any live pitching. Um, just had a lot of faith, a lot of faith in myself, a lot of faith in, in you know, uh, what was to come. Um, I ended up doing enough, I guess, to kind of get the attention of some people involved in the league. Um, and before getting on a plane back home, I was uh, – kind of promised that I didn't sign any contract yet, but I was kind of promised, um, you know, an opportunity, at least in spring training with, uh, the Roswell invaders, which, uh, were out of Roswell, New Mexico, again, <laughs> knew nothing about it. You know what I mean? Super random, uh, you know, crazy part of the yeah. country down there. Um, so yeah, kind of fast forward another month, got on another plane, flew out to Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, no clue where I was, didn't know anybody. You know, went went out on blind faith and and ended up again doing just enough in spring training. It was about a week long. Uh, we went through like a managerial change in the first week. You know, it was crazy, wow. crazy stuff. So it's, the, it's quite the impression, like the the start into professional baseball. Yeah, you got to do all of this, all of these steps, just to get to the point where you could play. 
I mean, I know I did. That's why I always tell kids, like, you know, go dominate in college so you don't have to do what I did. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like – there, there, there are, there have been a lot of steps involved, and um, again, I'm, I'm super appreciative of, of those steps I've had to take because it, it's humbled me to where you know it makes being here that much mm. more worth it. So the Pecos League for, for some of our fans that have heard of it, um, because we have had players that played in the Pecos League that eventually come through the Atlantic League and play for the Patriots, but I think, like you mentioned, not a lot of people in this area know what the Pecos League is, what it's all about, where the teams are located. Uh, I've heard some stories that it's it's not the easiest league to stay in in, in terms of um, how they guys keep you, like what, what your rooming and your lodging situation is yeah. and, and food. Um, so can you talk a little bit about just, I guess, you know, you were in the Pecos League from 2015 16, 17, and 18, primarily with <laughs> Roswell. So uh, you were doing, you were there for four years, so it must have been all right. But just what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, it's it's uh, the best way to describe it. It's a league that's that's designed um, to help younger guys kind of break into pro baseball. Um, guys that didn't get drafted, guys that that um, perhaps were, were overlooked at certain times, but. Um, you know, for me, it, it like I said, it served as a purpose to get my foot in the door somewhere because um, even being local and having a lot of teams operating out of the Northeast, New Jersey, New York, PA, you know, those opportunities weren't there for me. And, and kind of like I mentioned earlier, I probably wasn't ready for them, um, not only physically, but, but mentally as well. I had a lot of growing up to do, a lot of maturing to do. Um, I was young for my grade, so I graduated at 21 out of college. Mm. So I, uh, even though it's only a year, that's kind of a critical time for a young man to, to, to kind of, you know, get things straight in the head. Um, but I mean, so the Pecos, I mean, it's, it's the wild west. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's kind of tough to describe. I, 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 all I can say is that guys that do play there, like you mentioned, um, you're playing for different reasons. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have gone through there that play because they love baseball and because, to 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 a, a normal person, they might think we're crazy, you know, playing for little to no pay, um, very um, uncertain circumstances in terms of housing and living situations, travel. Um, it's a it's a relatively low budget league, so so the accommodations are relatively non-existent in terms of what the league provides for you. Mm. Um, what I can say is the people that I met um, and the, the the relationships that I was able to forge with the people of Roswell. I spent some time in Santa Fe as well yep. in New Mexico. Um, some of the most down to earth, just, um, I guess I should say salt of the earth people, just genuine kind opening their homes, um, to complete strangers and, you know, getting us meals after games and, and, um, you know, taking care of us, giving us shelter. It's just, there's no way we would be able to do what we did out there. Um, without, without families like that, that just, uh, for them, it's just an opportunity to watch ball and, and yeah. help a kid along the way. Is it hard to keep going when there's so much stacked against you through the Pecos League? And, you know, eventually in 2019, you got to the Pacific Association. Uh, I, I would imagine it's difficult to, to power through all of those kind of situations and so much that's put in front of you to, to, to get through to get to the point where you are right now. Yeah, without question. Um you know, like I said, it's the league's kind of designed for younger guys, and I broke in at 22, and it's really not meant for people to stick around more than a year or two. And and I found myself there for four consecutive seasons, um, 
so again, that kind of goes along with me kind of hoping that at some point I'd catch a break and, and somebody would see me. And unfortunately now, like looking back, I'm like, man, I don't think too many people would have seen me because of where I was playing. There's mm-hmm. not much else going on. You know, we're in the, the, um, the Southwest is the, the population's pretty low and, and it's not really a hub for, for baseball, um, outside of the Pecos league. So I just found myself kind of in this cycle. I was like, well, I guess I'll just go back. I didn't really have too many opportunities, even after having some, some big seasons and some good years, um, you know, from 15 to, to, to 18. Um, but I just, I just kept doing it because again, similar mindset that I had coming out of college, I knew I still had more in me. And, hmm. and one thing that I've told to a lot of people that have kind of not, not so much questioned the reason why I continue to play, but, but take interest in why I continue to play. And for me, I uh, just turned 28 two days ago. Oh, um, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, but I, I think at this point in my career, I've only seen um, improvement and progress in my uh, not only physically and in, in, in tools wise, in terms of strength, speed, you know, performance mm-hmm. on the field. But mentally, I've only gotten better um, just from from experience. So I always tell people if, if I'm only getting better, why would I stop now? You know, I've played since I was six, seven years old. Um you know, all these, you know, you look at maybe 15, 20 years of playing baseball. Why would I stop when I feel like I'm at my best? Yeah. You know, this is why I played all those years is because now I'm at, I'm getting towards the peak, you know, I like to think. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep going until the wheels fall off, man. So what is this opportunity in this series, considering that I, I, I heard somewhere that this is one of only, I think one of only 12 or 13 leagues of its kind around the country right now, uh, considering the pandemic. Um, so to have the opportunity to play back in your home state, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've had friends or family come out to the games. If you have that, I'm sure that must've been a rush as well, uh, because you've been playing over in yeah. you know, the Southwest for so long. Yeah. Uh, so I guess grand scheme of things, what is this opportunity, this showcase, um, to play in front of Patriots front office members, uh, and to play here? What does it mean to you? It's tough to put into words, man. I mean, you know, I think goes without saying across the board, this is a first class organization. Um, you know, I've been treated with nothing but respect um, from the day I walked in here. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody knows where I come from. Um, you know, when I when I first walked onto the field for the first workout, uh, everybody was just, um, you know, embraced me and made me feel like, OK, I, I belong here. And, you know, I wasn't an outsider, even though I wasn't originally part of of the of the organization uh, like some of these guys have been. Um, it's just been a really great opportunity to kind of cultivate some of these relationships, like I said, with some really good people, um, having John, uh, in our dugout and, and being able to get to know Brett a little bit as well. Um, it's just a really cool opportunity because a lot of times we're limited as players to one or two day tryouts. If, if you don't have that personal connection to come out and make an impression. So for us to have six weeks now, you know, 12 ball games plus, you know, a couple of practices during the week to not only show what you can do as a player, but show who you are as a person and, mm-hmm. and kind of show your value, what, what you bring to the table um, outside of your performance on the field. And for me, that's a big deal because, um, you know, the performance might not, not always be there, but uh, if you can be consistent with your, with your character and, and um, you know, people, people can see that you care, 
um, you know, that, that goes a long way. So is it fair to say that what we have going on right now is a showcase for guys like you? Yeah. I mean, I think this is whatever the player makes it. Um, Mm. some guys are here to have fun. Some guys are here. They're working during the week and doing their thing and they come and play on Friday and Saturday and, and that's great. And we're all at different points in our careers. Um, so for me, I mean, I most certainly look at this as an opportunity, as a showcase uh, in a sense, because I do have the the intention to, to continue my career moving forward into 2021 and beyond. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any any day on a ball field is a good day, and it's also <laughs> an opportunity yeah, for sure. So let's talk about your play on the field and some of the guys that you've been going up against because there is really strong talent mm-hmm. in this league. And I think when we first announced the league, um, a lot of our fans might not recognize some of the names, that, like you mentioned, because you know they're New Jersey guys, which is great, but people are plugged in what's happening with the Somerset Patriots or maybe somebody who has major league experience and doesn't realize that guys that we have coming in that have AAA, that have AA experience that you're going up against, and guys like yourself that have professional baseball experience and just might not be as well-known still represent a really high level of baseball. Uh, so for you on the field, what's it been like going up against guys that are probably the highest level that you've gone up against in your professional career? Yeah, for sure. That goes without saying. I mean, all it takes is coming to watch one game and you kind of see what arms are starting the game, what, what arms are coming out of the bullpen and, and, and seeing the lineups. I mean, there's really <laughs> there's no easy outs around here. I'm sure some of the pitchers can, can attest to that, <laughs> you know, from one to nine guys are putting together good at bats. Everybody cares um, and, and takes it seriously, which is important. Um, I mean, it, it's been cool because the fact that it's been so competitive means that we have to stay locked in. Mm. Um, you know, there, there is, there, there's no real time to like, kind of let your mind wander. It's it, even though the games are only seven innings and the crowd's not as big as it normally is. I mean, for me, four, 400, whatever it is, 450, yeah. the, 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 the crowd Roughly, size, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm used to playing in front of five people, man. Like I've been in experiences where I, I'm, I'm, we're playing in front of nobody, um, you know, and, and, uh, so that for me, this is, this is a blast. It's an awesome mm-hmm. opportunity and, and having guys that compete every single pitch. I mean, that's right up my alley. Cause, cause that's, that's what I'm here to do too. <laughs> well, you, you've been competing and you've been succeeding. I mentioned it at the beginning that you're leading the league and in runs batted in. Um, has there been anything different in your approach over these couple of games that have, that have led to the success or uh, what, what's been sort of the secret sauce to this point for you that's, that's allowed you to have so much success? Man. Or just hard work, dedication. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any secret sauce. I mean, I think <laughs> I think the biggest thing, the fact that we're playing Fridays and Saturdays and we, we do have some downtime between games um, just means that the, the not only the physical preparation, but the mental mm-hmm. preparation has to be there. And um, like I said, some guys are some guys are doing some different things, working, whatever it is. And, um, you know, for them, I know it's tough going six days without an at bat or swinging a bat. Um for me, I've just kind of jumped in with two feet, um, and I do work here and there. Um, you know, I'm in sales, so so I kind of have a, an opportunity to um, put that on the back burner right now and, and take this as seriously as possible because um, I can't really afford to take a day for the mind to just wander, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what fans get to come and see is the product of guys that are physically and mentally preparing 
Sunday to Thursday, and when it's time to play on Friday, you know, we're we're ready to go. What's it like being a blaster? Uh, for And I ask this for a couple of reasons. A lot of our fans are, of course, used to the Somerset Patriots, but now we've introduced the second team that we've sort of made out of thin air, quote-unquote, but there's fans of the Blasters, man. People walk in, they have the hats, they have the t-shirts, the jerseys. Uh, there's sort of a cult following that's starting to brew a little bit. But you guys are coming in. Um, I feel like it's a blue-collar team. It's seven-inning games. You're always the road team, so you got to play against that as well. What's the experience been like for, for all of the Blaster guys that are over in that clubhouse? Uh, I mean, we love it. <laughs> you know, we've kind of eaten this whole thing up that um... – I think the mentality has just been um, we're here. Why not just just be aggressive and run with this thing? Um, I've had experiences personally. Last year in the Pacific Association 2019, I played for the Salina Stockade, and we were the road team uh, 60 times. We played on the road every single night. Uh, didn't have a home stadium. Didn't have fans. No housing. None of that. So uh, that mentality of, at least for me personally, just being ready to hit, in the first inning, being ready to just, you know, be mid-game mentality from the first pitch, which I think, um, you know, when you have the, the the luxury of being home and hitting second, playing in the field first, you can kind of ease your way into the game. But, yeah. um, I mean, at this point in my career, it's it's always once, once the first pitch is thrown, it's showtime. Hmm. And I think we've kind of had that mentality uh, throughout our clubhouse. We have some younger guys that don't necessarily have the pro experience and – um, I give them all the credit for coming out here and, and being aggressive and not being overwhelmed by, like you said, the competition that we're up against every night. Um, but, yeah, seeing seeing a lot of fans cheering for us in this ballpark, didn't really expect that. <laughs> I mean, I know I've had a lot of family and friends come out and support us, um, but even looking up there and seeing people that I don't know, I'm like, man, this is pretty cool for the fact that we're, we're in, you know, Somerset Patriots stadium and you see red everywhere. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's been pretty neat. We'll end on this. Um, for a lot of our fans that are listening to this podcast that, that didn't really know about you too much beforehand, didn't know what your history was. Uh, now they do. Uh, but if, if there's one thing that you want Somerset Patriots fans to know about Louis Martini finishing off this interview and, and, carrying through the rest of this series and even once the series ends uh what what's something that you would like our fans to know about you Whew. one putting, thing putting you on the spot one thing to know about me that's tough man that's tough um i mean i i guess i guess uh, from a fan's perspective um anytime you come to see to come see a ball game here um you see number six flying around out there. I'm, I'm going to give it everything I have every time out. Um, you know, I leave everything I have on the field. It's a cliche term. Um, you know, I'm not running around with my head on fire. Things are under control, you know, because we prepare that way. Um, but never taking a playoff, never taking a pitch off. I'm always going to try to get an extra base. Always going to just give everything I have of myself. All right. Well, Louie, thanks so much. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, continued success on the field, and uh, best of luck for this weekend's games. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Princeton, located on Route 206, an all-new state-of-the-art sales and service facility that will redefine your luxury car experience. See all they have to offer, along with all the processes 
to assure a healthy environment at jlrprinceton.com. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. A big thank you to Louis Martini, who just joined me. Uh, That's pretty much it for our show this week. A reminder that we do have two more games coming up uh, tomorrow on Friday and Saturday as well. Both games at 7.05 p.m. will be broadcast on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC uh, and WCTCAM.com. We'll be back with a new episode of the Something Patriots podcast next week, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Until then, have a nice week. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union, all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on The Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and on WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m., with the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.